you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I am really thrilled today to have on the show Digby Scott. Now, Digby is a former chartered accountant. He has founded two successful consulting firms, and now he's a leadership development expert with a very fresh approach. He works with organizations that are committed to being future fit by developing their next generation of leaders. And he's also just released his new book, Changemakers, Make Your Mark with More Impact and Less Drama. And we'll definitely be talking about that uh, later on during this episode. What I love about Digby is his whole philosophy around uh, life by design, and he blends his lifestyle with the work that he loves and spends lots and lots of time, good chunks of time with his family adventuring around the world. Welcome to the show, Digby. It's great to have you here. So good to be here in conversation with you, Janine. Now, this whole lifestyle thing, you know, we were just talking off air. Share where you've just come back from. There's been a few places and things you've been doing in the last few weeks. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a lovely um, smorgasbord of experiences for me over the last three weeks. So I uh, got back on Saturday in reverse order. I've just been in the States in Austin doing some thinking with a colleague there uh, and uh, tapping into a few of the amazing things that uh, some US organisations are doing. Prior to that, I was in Mexico in Baja for a week in a surf camp in a really remote spot on the Baja Peninsula where we flew in in a, a tiny little six-seater plane um, from the US and landed on this airstrip uh, right next to the surf camp, nothing for miles around. It was quite amazing. And prior to that, I came from the literally polar opposite, uh, was snowboarding in the South Island of New Zealand. And uh, I live in the North Island of New Zealand, so that wasn't so far afield, but it was a lovely variety of things uh, to experience and yeah it's uh it's what I try to do a lot of the time and you take a lot of that theory philosophy around life into the work that you do that's that's correct isn't it yeah yeah in fact over dinner uh with my family tonight we were talking about um polymaths and polymath being someone who is um, across multiple disciplines and has an interest in a wide range of things. I guess the the, the you know the um, epitome of the polymath you know, over history has been Leonardo da Vinci uh, and his extraordinary power of invention and seeing new things uh, that others didn't see and created amazing things as a result. And I reckon that comes from having seeking out a wide range of experiences and i guess you know in some ways those three things those three experiences i've just had is an example of that what i try to do with uh, a lot of the leaders i work with is to help expand their perspective um, by looking at going and having these experiences Um, uh, one way to describe that's what i call colliding perspectives so Mm -hmm. the, the ability to go out and you know just go into a different world for a while, even though it might be just a couple of hours, and and have an open mind and see what you can learn. Yeah, and so definitely weave it in. Yeah. And why why important is it to expand 
perspective now today? Yeah, lovely question. Um, you know, it's bubbles are useful to make us feel safe and good. You know, if we're surrounded by familiarity, that's lovely. Um, and we all need a bit of safe and good, right? Um, but I reckon if we need to show up every day in the world um, that's complex and messy and is full of difference, you know, we see it everywhere, right? The, the colliding differences of opinion, of um uh, you know, ideologies, whatever. The more comfortable we can be with difference, uh, I think the more we're able to engage with that difference and then find pathways through and help others do the same. So I think the practice of, of learning how to be difference and learn from difference is it's just it's just one of the things if we if we're if we're stuck in one perspective, you know, that's all we'll see and we'll miss we'll miss the you know there's that saying uh, the map is not the territory. You know, um, if we only have uh, one view on the territory, we don't see the real thing. You know, we don't. We, we have a limited map, and that that can't help us at all. And do you think you've always had that perspective, Digby, or is it something that you've you've learned and and developed over the course of your experience and work? I, I was reflecting on that the other day, funnily enough, that I, you know, I've, I'm Australian um, by birth, and I've lived all over the world, but I reckon. Um, you know, we moved around a lot as a kid, as, as I was a kid, um, you know, primarily in Western Australia. And I, I was born on a farm, then we moved to the city, and then we moved back to the country again, uh, and then back to the city again, and then I moved overseas. And I reckon I had to learn quite easily, quite early on in my, in my life about the process of uh, liminality, you know, this idea of being between worlds. And, and learning to let go of an old world uh, and then moving into a world that's not as yet and having to create a new world and create new relationships, create a uh, you know, new identity almost. Um, so I think, I think there's something about the formative experience I had. And then I went to Europe. Uh, my first job, I was working for a big accounting firm, um, Arthur Anderson. And there's another story. Uh, but I got sent to Europe, uh, luckily enough, to go and work in the UK in Leeds. Um, after my first year there, which was unheard of, there was there was three of us who got the opportunity to go and be transferred over there. After my time in Leeds, I went backpacking around Europe. First time I've ever been backpacking, I think it was 21, 22 or something. Blew my mind, opened my mind, and it was like, oh my God, there's this world out here that I've never seen before, and it's just opening me up in so many ways. And that was this catalyst uh, that I think I've continued on, you know, 30 years later. That's mm, incredible. Have we, have we ever, uh, have I ever shared that Leeds is my hometown? I'm hearing your accent. I didn't know it was Leeds. I knew <laughs> yeah. it was <laughs> Yeah. I'm a yeah. Leeds girl. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's why we connect so well. We talk I know. language. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask how old you are. We may have been clubbing in the same places oh, without yeah. even knowing each other, the sliding door moments. <laughs> Oh, isn't it ever? Oh, okay, there's an offline conversation. There is absolutely an <laughs> offline conversation. Now, what, what I find fascinating about it's almost like such a, um, such a difference between where you started out with your career, as you said, uh, consulting and accounting, and then building accounting firms to the work that you're doing now. Um, what got you into that, that corporate world and, and that very sort of consulting accountant background? Where did, where did that come from? Mm. 
uh, a couple of days ago, I, I noticed on Facebook one of my oldest friends, a girl I knew from when back in the farm days, actually, her father passed away. And um, I've really mulled on his death. Um, re- it's really affected me, even though I haven't seen him for 30 years. And I realised that he was this role model for someone that I wanted to become like. And one of the things he did, he went from farming and then he moved to Earth himself and set up a shop. It was a, I think he bought a bike shop and turned it into a surf shop and it was really successful. And I saw, I got interested in business. Um, I thought, oh, wow, he's turned his hand from something farming into something completely different running a business I thought hmm, that looks cool to me too and and a number of my dad's friends and, and my dad were all quite entrepreneurial like that mm. and I, so i think i was kind of swimming in that soup for a while and then you know as i went through university there was a hmm okay how do i get into business actually doing accounting and commerce and stuff like that seems like a smart degree to do so i did that and then one thing led to another ended up in accounting because it seemed like a a good way to keep my options open uh and yeah it certainly was um it's yeah it's something interesting like i quite quickly realized that i wasn't really about the numbers though Mm. you know quite early in my career yeah and one of the things that i found was interesting with Anderson's actually is training the new recruits, (laughs) uh, recruiting the new recruits, um, doing all the marketing for the firm, but not actually the technical work of accounting. (laughs) So that was a little bit of a, okay, where do I take it from here? Hmm. Yeah. Can you uh, remember a particular watershed moment that, that happened or eventuated that led you towards closer towards what you're doing now oh yeah um definitely and it actually was at anderson's they had a uh um every year they'd recruit you know hundreds of graduates from around australia as as their new you know fresh blood fresh meat (laughs) and uh they'd all we'd all congregating and this particular year it was in canberra and i was I, i was a senior at the time been there three years and i got to be one of the trainers on this sort of induction, two-week live-in induction in Canberra. And uh, I just came alive with, you know, being at the front of the classroom. And, you know, I would have been maybe 24 or something. And it was like, oh, the taste of the sublime. This is amazing. And, uh, you know, I think I was really fortunate to be able to notice that and say, actually, I want to do more of this. Then I went travelling, worked all over America and lived a year in Canada and, then ended up in London and I was another watershed moment was when I, after a couple of years of traveling in North America, getting to London going, huh, need some money. I know I'll go and be a contract, contract accountant in London. And, you know, lots of Australians and, and Kiwis were doing that at the time. And I kept, uh, I went to some recruitment companies and they were putting me up for uh, different roles, you know, contract roles in investment banks. You know, that's where all the money was. And I kept turning down the jobs. And one of the recruiters said to me, well, what do you actually want to do? If you don't want to do this contract work, what do you want? I said, I want your job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what do you mean? I said, well, you know, you're all about people and you're, you're connecting people with opportunity. And I reckon I'd be really good at that. That really ticks all the boxes for me. And I was pretty persistent because <laughs> I, I think I can safely say it now. I was employed for two years illegally. <laughs> in London, <laughs> working full time for one of the big players, and uh, 
And uh, that was a real turning point for me as well because it was playing in the accounting business world, but it was playing to my strengths of people. Mm. And people seem to, this, this importance of connection with people um, seems to be a golden thread running through um, the work that you've been doing since you've sort of taken that move to doing your own thing. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. It's, it's sort of fundamental um, mm. to, to who I am and what I reckon I, how I make a difference to others. I just finished a two-day leadership um, program today, actually, you know, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was actually a six-month program. We finished the last two days today, and I got some feedback from the participants about what they valued about what I was doing. I boiled down to... Um, actually not just about me connecting with them, but about helping them connect as human beings. Mm. And I reckon that's what we need more of. And it comes back to that, you know, get out of your bubble and and into the way of learning to connect uh, that brings out the best in everyone. I mean, it sounds kind of trite really when you say it like that, but I think, you know, I'm a big, big believer in the power of attention out as opposed to mm. attention in, you know, the, that, Mm, so who are you? What's your world? And what can I learn from you? And how do we connect in a way that's positive and makes a difference? Mm. Uh, um, yeah, connection. So it's one of the chapters in my book. So let's uh, talk about yeah. the book. Where yeah. so the book is called Change Makers. Uh-huh. Why or make your mark with more impact and less drama? Um, why did you feel you wanted to write this book? I've done lots of one-on-one coaching um, over many, many years. And the people I seem to be able to help the most, I reckon are those ones who are on the threshold. They want to go and do something. They want to go and make their mark. But they're kind of of teetering. They're like, "Mm, I'd love to, but is probably the most common phrase I'd hear, right? You know, they'd be in some sort of leadership role and they'd want to, I'm, I'm here to do this work, but then they kind of hesitate. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. And, you know, there's so many so many people like that. There was this real pattern, this real trend. And I thought, oh, okay. So the book is a way of packaging up some of the wisdom that I've got from all of that, particularly all that one-on-one coaching and the stories that I've got from them uh, over a lot of, a lot of years uh, about how to cross the threshold. And so if they're not spending time with me in a workshop or a program or coaching, um, at least they get the benefit of the book. And so the book is a way of, it's kind of like a little toolkit to, to give you that kick you need. Because, hmm. um, you know, a book is, is a, a really powerful way, 30 bucks or whatever it, you, you pay for it, to get a hell of a lot of value. And it's like, well, here's some value I, can, I think I can add to people people's lives so they can go and make the mark they want to make and you talk about four key things in that book do you want to Mm. share what they are yeah so the the idea of being a change maker is centered on cultivating four qualities and we all have them it's about dialing them up a bit more so the four qualities are curiosity uh connection courage and conviction and uh you know there's a while they're not really a kind of there's no sort of sequence to those. I reckon the fundamental kind of foundational one, if you like, is is conviction. 
Mm-hmm. And conviction is some of this, you know, when you're convicted, um, it came, comes from the same word, the root of the word convinced. Like, I'm convinced this is important. And it's not just a head thing. It's a kind of a whole body thing. Like, I'm convicted. This is the thing that I'm about and this needs to change. I'm going to make this change happen. And in my experience, when people are in that space, that's an unstoppable force. In fact, one of the as an example, I was um, last week I was in Atlanta and Georgia, and I went to the Center for Civil and Human Rights, um, which is documents. It's like a an interactive museum, and uh, it documents uh, the whole civil rights movement that happened in the US, uh, and. What really, really struck me was there was all these change makers, all of these people, some of whom died for the cause, that went in it, went into this, and what drove them was a conviction that there was a better way. Mm. And, you know, they didn't have resources, they didn't have money, they just had belief. And to me, that's the fundamental thing. That's your fuel. You know, that's your fuel. If you if you lock on to purpose, if you lock on to what really, you know, um, shakes your cage that you you think actually this is what i want to make a difference in the world about Mm. then that's your starting point i love it love it love it love it talking my language and i want to just track back a bit and you talked about this book being a uh a uh a kicker a butt kicker in terms of helping people uh (laughs) find find that that piece or that that conviction um your your career is fascinating. You've almost are that polymath in terms of how you've built your career and what you've been doing and where you've gone and all the experiences. Um, so who who kicked your proverbial butt and uh, <laughs> unlocked uh, that genius or that brilliance or that conviction in you? Wow, that's a long list. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, I've had so many butt kickers, some of whom show massive belief uh, in me and others who have um, really challenged me to be bigger mm. uh, and sometimes they're the same person. Uh, who's been a butt kicker for me? Um, I One of the more recent ones is a lady, uh, a friend of mine called Jennifer Garvey-Berger who, who works in a similar field and she, I was working for a consultancy firm. I was a director of this firm uh, here in Wellington uh, a few years ago, and I'd been I'd been building up this sort of business. And uh, but every time I sat down with her, she's uh, I was I'd say, oh, "Look, I'm really frustrated here." And I was doing too much management work, like myself, like being a manager, as opposed to doing the work with the groups of people that I'd love to work with. And she said, "Yeah, you're like a horse." that's running around in a paddock that's too small for you. You just keep running around, 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 around. What you want to do is go and, you know, roam free. And, man, it was just like a, a real kick in the face that it was, <laughs> you know, she used that metaphor mm. and she didn't need to do anything else. It was like, yep, you've named it. You've named it. And I love having people like her around who can call what they see and say, look, you're, you're bigger than that, you know. Come on, step it up. Mm-hmm. And it was it was it wasn't done in a harsh way. It was just like, hey, this is what I see. Is that what you want? Kind of thing. So she, mm-hmm. she was she was a lovely catalyst for that. And I don't know if I've ever told her that, but so I hope she's listening. I'll um You have to share it. Share it share this link. Yeah. But then we've I've also yeah, absolutely share it widely. Yeah, yeah. But plenty of plenty of people like that, right? Yeah. Um, I think sometimes 
I think experiences are good butt kickers as well. Mm. You know, yeah. um, I was running a recruitment company uh, here in New Zealand back in the nineties. I came, first time I came and worked in New Zealand, and I was just in over my head. I was I think I was twenty nine or thirty, uh, running two offices uh, across two cities, and um, just had no idea what I was doing. And I hit the wall big time. I remember waking up in the middle of the night um, in tears next to my fiance, saying, "I can't do this anymore." Um, and uh, it was just like I was shaking, and you know, I went into the day, into the office the next day and called my boss in London and said, "You know, I, I I'm out. This is on." And and I, you know, it, it was like it's early midlife crisis. <laughs> I was thirty or something, and it was it was that hmm, that pit of despair was like the kick I needed to go. You're on the wrong path, buddy. Uh, you know, you need to listen to actually what you do want. And it was it was bloody hard. It took me a good probably twelve months at least to kind of pull myself out of that. Mm. And but you know that that uh, that experience was the kick I needed to go. Hang on, you know, life's short. What do you want to do? Because it's not this. So I, yeah. I'm yeah. imagining there's a few people right now that are nodding their heads all going, oh, my God, that's exactly where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what tips, what advice, what did you do that worked? Uh, what would you say to people if they're feeling like they're in that pit of despair and, you know, what's this all about? What do I do next feeling? Well, probably the simplest saying i reckon the the simplest little mantra you could have is this too will pass right so (laughs) you're in a pit of despair you know this too will pass um you know and if you remember life hasn't always been like this so i think there's something about just get that perspective and at the same time pick up the pen be be your own author of what you want out of life i remember uh I was. I actually didn't really want to come back and live in New Zealand. We're living in Perth, where I'm from, uh, and my wife, who's a Kiwi, was quite keen to come back. And I kept ignoring the, the conversation that we needed to have. And eventually, I went and saw a, a good butt kicker person, and she said, "You know what? Um, you're talking like New Zealand's like the ass end of the earth, and there's nothing there for you, and it's purgatory, you know. And I'm wondering how that might be serving you right now." <laughs> Nice question. And I, she said, how about you reframe it and you think of New Zealand as a chapter that you write? And it's a chapter for your life that you have the pen, you hold, hold the pen and you decide what happens in that chapter. And that changed everything. And I reckon the advice I would give to other people is, you know, what's the chapter you want to write? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, scribble, go to the journal, write some notes down. The third little thing I'd say is do a retrospective. Um, and it's in the book, actually. It's just a, a lifeline retrospective of looking back in your life. What you need to do is sort of draw a horizontal line on a piece of paper and then draw like a sideways T. On the left-hand side, just draw a vertical line that, um, so that the horizontal is in the middle of the vertical. And the top part of that line is the highs in your life. The bottom part of that line is the lows in your life. And then you just put little Xs if, if the horizontal is a timeline put x's marking highs and lows in your life and then when you've done that you you can do a bit of a look over and go what are the patterns here like what what are the common themes that i found uh that 
made the high points the high points. What was going on for me? What are the what were the common elements, the conditions that created those high points? And secondly, what what was missing in the low points? What wasn't there? What did I need that uh, wouldn't have made it a low point? That would have made it more of a high point. And that tells you a lot about what you're about and what you could write about in terms of you're the author of your own chapter. What what do you want what do you want to do to create more of those high points? And what are the ingredients you want to bring into your life? Certainly for me, that's been a huge, hugely useful framework in terms of yeah, you know, every time I'm faced with a crossroads or a threshold to go, okay, what are the elements I know that will help me thrive? What do I need to bring into my life or make sure is around for me to help me thrive? So for example, what I, one thing I know is I need to be near water. And we live right on the beach and, you know, I'm able to just jump on my paddleboard and go. It's just a fundamental thing for me. But I've only really realised that through not living near water, mm. just as a simple example. Yeah. I love, love it. What else makes you happy? <laughs> what a great question. Um, spontaneity. Mm. Uh, seeing the light in people's eyes shine. Mm. Um, when I came back to New Zealand 12 years ago I worked for one of the big four for four months I lasted (laughs) and um, I'd been running a business in Perth and I came back here and it was like "Mm, this this is something missing for me here and uh, I called a friend who knows me well he goes you know what it is you're not seeing seeing the light in people's eyes shine. You're doing process work. You're doing, you know, uh, head work. You're not doing heart work. <laughs> and uh, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, that makes me happy. Seeing spontaneous uh, uh, eye shining, I, yeah, I reckon is that awesome thing. It makes me happy. Plus, uh, amazing waves. Uh, actually, just being in nature, full stop. Being in the grand majesty of nature. Oh, absolutely love it. So when you talk about um, seeing people's lights shine in their eyes and bringing it, it aligning it to the work that you do, what, what do you think um, leaders need to do now to help that happen? Um, so how do we right. unlock other people's light in their eyes? How do we help other people shine and be the brilliant versions of themselves they can be? Yeah, well, you're kind of paraphrasing Marianne Williamson there, you know, so that, you know, that we can't, uh, well, what was the quote? It's all gone over my head now. She said, um, our biggest fear is not our own inadequacy. Our biggest fear is that we are more powerful beyond measure. Uh, our planet small does not serve the world any purpose, but when we allow ourselves to shine, we allow others to shine too, something yeah. like that. Beautifully said. And so the first step of that is to allow yourself to shine, right? Because, mm. um, you know, our, our mutual friend, Matt Church, uh, said to me a few times, remember you can't fill from an empty cup. So if you are able to just firstly tap into, you know, you being your best self, uh, that is going to be the most powerful starting point to help others shine. And then from there... I reckon you can be more generous because you're in a good space and that's just going to become infectious for others. And if you're able to, um, I use this, I use this frame, deliver and discover. So like as leaders, what we need to be able to do is to, yeah, we need to deliver stuff, right? We need to deliver stuff through people, through our teams, through our organizations. And that's fundamental. And that's kind of what we pay for in a lot of ways. But, Mm increasingly and i think probably even more important these days is that we need the ability to help discover 
And that's discover new ways, discover potential, uh, discover what we're capable of, our organisation's capable of, our people are capable of. And I think if we're able to learn how to just get off the deliver a little bit, like uh, targets and deliverables, and actually sit down and go, hmm, who are these people I have with me here? And, and what do they yearn for? And what do they want to contribute? Because we're all here to wanting to contribute something. I wonder how can I unlock that? Just having that curiosity mm. I think is, is really key. You know, the, the ability to sit and ask really good questions that help people learn for themselves. I think it's a fundamental skill, you know, not just about driving performance, but really helping them to unlock how they can uh, discover their own potential to deliver amazing results as well. Which is needed more so than ever before, I think, in this environment that is, um, you talk about uh, a collision of differences. It's one that's more yeah. adaptable than ever before. We don't necessarily have the answers. Um, and so I love that idea of, to me, delivery and discovery is this wonderful uh, interplay between sort of technical solution finding to adaptive yes. uh, curiosity. Um, and if you're too much on one side, then you're not going to be able to find the answers to the other side. So it's, it's a massive evolution of leadership really, isn't it? Because for so long you've been taught the technical skills of leadership, but actually we're now having to learn that our job um, is about magnifying other people. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I think there's a lovely phrase I heard a few years ago, leader is host. Mm. You're, you're a host. And you think of some of the... Um, the fellow with the beard, the funny guy, British guy, who's um, <laughs> Which one? Oh God, Graham Norton. All right, yeah, Graham, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not Billy Connolly. No, no. Um, I no. always say Billy Connolly. No, he's not English. He's Scottish. <laughs> that would be insulting. No, no, but he's an, amazing, he's an amazing host, Graham Norton. Like he, he, he's a leader, but he's not telling people what to do. Mm. He. He's asking powerful questions to create an amazing environment. Mm. And I reckon that's what leadership is about increasingly, is to be able to hold the space to host uh, for others to do the discovery work with each other. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think, yeah, and it means it's a bit more of an ego-free leadership. Right? It's, yeah. it's, it's less of a need for you to be amazing and, you know, have the answers and all that. And actually... Yeah, you know, my work is actually to help others shine. If you can do that, then, man, you're well ahead of the game. Digby, if we had the wonderful opportunity to um, bring into the room right now that uh, role model, that father of your friend of yours, what would you like to say to him? What a beautiful question. I think it's really simple. It's just thanks for being there. Mm. You know, he didn't try. He did. It wasn't like he was. I don't think he was deliberately trying to be a mentor for me. I just think he was being him, and I was lucky enough that he was in my orbit. Mm. Um, or yeah, and you know, he he just lived his life, and he made some choices that inspired me. Mm. And you know, so thank you for allowing me to be part of that journey that you were on. Uh, yeah, it's quite, it's interesting, eh? Because I, I, sometimes I think maybe we feel as leaders that we need to try 
to be a certain way for certain people. But maybe we just need to actually make choices that uh, if we make a choice on a higher purpose, then it's going to serve others as well by doing that. Mm. It sounds a bit icky. There's something quite powerful in that, hey? It is, and I think you wrote about it in the um, at the beginning of your book, or you referenced it that uh, Drew Dudley, Everyday Leadership TED Talk about the impact yeah. that you can make or the ripples that you make without even realizing. And I, I'm hearing that whole philosophy through everything yes. that you're talking about that that we don't necessarily have any awareness of the impact that we're making, and yet we are every single day and so the more yeah. that we can make a good impact and it'd be interesting to if we could talk to to that gentleman to actually understand whether he realizes whether he ever knew the impact that he had on you and your direction yeah yeah and you know sadly we can't do that at least in mm. the realm but um you know there's uh, there was some great research uh, out there that says you know, you're likely to impact 10,000 people yeah, wow. in your life um, so it's not so much can I have an impact is what impact do I want to make yeah and and you know if you can do that with less drama meaning kind of like you know work out what is the path that you reckon you can have the most impact in that plays to your strengths plays to your passion you know, then uh, you know it's actually potentially easier than you think I reckon mm-hmm. Digby, I have absolutely adored chatting with you mm. today. Um, so. Some of the gems um, that you talked about in turn, and particularly that sits so beautifully under the title of this podcast of Unleashing Brilliance, you talked about the importance of perspective and the need for us all to ex- expand our perspective and um, how it's more important than ever in this world of collision and differences. And and to be honest, I think New Zealand and your wonderful Prime Minister is leading the way of that, that how do you expand your perspective in a world that we don't necessarily understand? And um, somebody reinforced that conversation with me or that comment with me whilst I was in America myself recently where they said sometimes our biggest fear is letting go of what we thought we knew. Uh, to be true and and the brave piece is being prepared to let go of any formal uh, understanding perspective knowledge uh, because due to gaining more perspective all of that is wrong and I think that's one of the biggest challenges we face um, as a global community right now Um, I loved your commentary around being the author of you and choosing the next chapter Um, and particularly liked the the fact that it isn't you have to necessarily write the whole book in one go, but this concept of what's this next chapter about. And again, I think a lot of people are getting overwhelmed because they're so, um, I'm actually writing about something similar in, in my next book where I think I love Simon Sinek's work about it starts with why, but I almost think it sent, pe- sent people to an edge of anxiety yes. of not knowing what that why is. And maybe... Um, being in control of the next chapter of you and who you are and who you want to be is much easier to swallow and an easier way to make the right decisions. And then with that, this, this, this philosophy that you have about actually sitting down and determining what makes you happy and what's missing from your life. Um, you know, particularly when we are all, if we're not careful, conforming and being generic and living a life that other people want. And I think, you know, what you've, shared of your own personal journey and and the work that you do is picking up that that's 
often creating a huge amount of tension for people. And then finally, this piece around um, our job is to light, is to create the light in other people's eyes. Uh, what a wonderful philosophy language if we could put that around our mm. leadership community um my last question mm. so you know we're often asked uh, what it is that we're doing next what do we want to do next what are we going to be where are we going um my my biggest question and curiosity is is who do you digby want to be remembered for either doing or being Probably a little bit like the, the fellow who just died. Mm. Um, someone who lived an authentic life that showed possibility for others in doing that. Beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. I just Thank got goosebumps. Thank you so much, Digby. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Um, so I feel very honoured to have had this conversation with you. So I can't wait to uh, to hear back from our audience about everything that they've learned. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you, Janine. And yeah, you've lifted me through Good. this conversation, right? You know, it's uh, been mutually beneficial, I reckon. Good. So, yeah, looking forward to our next chat. Absolutely. We'll have to do it. I think uh, sooner rather than later, Digby. Totally. <laughs> All right. Take care. See you. Take ya. care. See you. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.